You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey guys, I am Deb Sternke. And I am Becky Dunn. And today we are sort of taking over the Gravity Leadership Podcast. That's right. Yeah. And we also wanted to make a quick mention about the Gravity Leadership National Gathering that's coming up October 26th and 27th. It's going to be time of learning and encouragement and collaboration. Um, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there too. So you guys should probably come. You can say hi to us. Yeah, it'll be a good time. Small group and uh, hopefully having some bonfires because I love bonfires. Will it be s'mores? I was just thinking about s'mores. Okay. I love s'mores, especially with chocolate. Yes. Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh, yeah. Mm. Super good. If there's s'mores, I'll be there. Okay. All right, guys, you should be there too. We'd love to see you there. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm Becky. And I'm Deb. And we are here with Matt and Ben, our co-host today, because we decided that if we're going to talk about women, we should probably have women doing this. <laughs> good idea, Becky. Very good. Yes. Excellent. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah, this is the, well, I mean, we have said this frequently, but this might be the last podcast we have on men and women leading alongside each other in the church for a while, right? For a while. For at least a week. At least a week. The last one for at least a week. Right, until next Tuesday. We won't Mm. hold you to it. No, but uh, Becky and Deb, we were sort of brainstorming about what to do, how to wrap up our series, and uh, Deb is married to Ben. I am. Yep. Yep. And 
Becky is a part of our church, a big part of our church. We've had her on the podcast in the past. Yes. And we decided, hey, what if we just have a roundtable discussion about the things we're learning, what's grabbing our attention, what's standing out to us, and let Becky and Deb sort of guide that and uh, lead us, steer us in that conversation. So Mm -hmm. Becky and Deb are are hosting. Mm -hmm. Ben, you and I are sort of the peanut gallery. We're the guests. Color commentary? Something? I I don't know. No, we're just... We're just turning over the hosting responsibilities, I guess. Yeah, so yeah, very good. I, I can just throw out a question because I, I do know that we've we've talked about this offline, off mic, yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Ben and Deb. It's taken over all the pillow talk. You know, <laughs> this, is, this is all we talk about all day. All <laughs> day. Let's go grocery shopping. No, let's talk about the podcast. <laughs> uh, Usually, no. it's when we're walking our dog. Oh, we do actually talk a lot about mm-hmm. things when we're walking our dog. Yeah. Yep, she has been such. A gift to your family. I know. The She's dog. a cute dog. Edie. She has a lot of names, too. What are, what are her names? Edie is mm, the Edie. one I call her. Edith is her real name. Edith. Yes. Okay. Edith. Edith Fiona. Where did that her name, name come from? Oh, we had polls. Okay. Yeah. And, we had and, suggestions from our kids. Okay. So I was wondering she's if it's a Downton Abbey reference. Oh, That's who I think yeah, of no. when I think of Edith. I so. never watched She's it. also Mrs. Okay. Pooty. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I don't know. I don't know where they come. I don't know where the names come from. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, she's not here, so hopefully no. you guys can still. We'll chat put about a link. This. We'll put a link to her website in the show notes. Just Aww. kidding. No, she doesn't have a website. Maybe you can put a link, a link to a link picture of her in the show notes. Yeah, maybe a yeah. picture. We'll she's put a picture really of the cute, dog. Guys. She, she is, is super cute. She looks like uh, if an Ewok uh-huh. and a uh, Bichon had a had a had a one night stand and they had a baby. Right? Yeah. Never thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I she think does about. She does look like a <laughs> Let's get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Becky, Deb, like, what are what are some of the things, I know you've listened to the podcasts, what are some of the things that you have been wrestling with or noticing or questions or conflict even that's come up with you as you've been listening? So maybe just throw out one thing and we can chat about it for a bit. I think for me, one of... The big things is realizing that um, I feel the responsibility of it's my job to protect the man's public image and that that responsibility is put on me by other people. So, for example, um, when I am and it kind of it kind of goes in this whole feel of like there's something in, innately dangerous about me as a woman, both uh, to a man, and I'm a danger to myself. And you're speaking about primarily like in the church. like Yes. Okay, so as, yeah. a, as a woman in the church, mm-hmm. you're realizing that, and we've had a few women talk about how, I think Amber Haynes said at one point, when I'm treated as dangerous, I become dangerous. That, it was her, listening to her podcast, actually, that was one of the ones I was like, oh my goodness. Because you'd messaged me after you listened to that, and you were like going off about it. So... For me, um, to put it into context, I worked for a few years in a setting, just an, in an office setting. And it was, um, the people in the office were Christians, but it wasn't a Christian organization per se. And I was an assistant to somebody. And so we were very close. I mean, so we had a very close relationship and I knew him well, and I never felt any kind of impropriety in that or never felt like I had to be careful of myself. Um, I never felt self-conscious about it. 
However, in the environment I'm in now, which is a Christian setting, when I'm being too chummy with a coworker, it sends up these like warning signs in my head of, oh, what if somebody else noticed this like interaction where we're laughing together? And to me, I'm like, I, this is not flirtatious at all, but what if it's perceived mm-hmm. that way? And so it makes, and I think that part of it for me, I think that I feel it stronger being a single woman, um, like, oh, I'm after, I'm like after you to get you, you know? And so like, I have one particular coworker that we, um, I work in an environment where, um, most people I work with have certain, um, views and political leanings. And he and I are the only two people in the office that have different political leanings. So we just have a lot to talk about and say that we don't talk about with anyone else in our office because they'll all think we're crazy basically. Mm. Um, and I feel myself being self-conscious about that relationship and thinking there's nothing here. I don't feel anything towards you, but I worry about what other people are thinking about it. Yeah. So the perception is that you're dangerous. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I, I was, I'm just thinking like, I don't know if anybody has ever perceived me as dangerous. I'm five foot 10, 175 ish pounds. Emphasis on ish. (laughs) (laughs) No. And like, I'm just, I just don't have any sort of, I have empathy for it, but I but it's hard for me to know what would happen to my behavior, my identity, my relationships if I was perceived as a threat. Like how would that change me? Mm-hmm. And how would how would that how would I then act differently or even move in leadership spaces differently if yeah. that was the case? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the things that really struck me too. Um, I think during this series, it has been so affirming and healing and uh just all sorts of adjectives um but that was one of the things that like you guys have named some things that i've i realize and i've recognized but also you've named some things that i was i've been completely blind to but have completely been affecting the way that i interact with people the way that i lead the way that i'm trying to figure out how to lead uh and that's one of them just not not realizing how much that, you know, the Billy Graham rule and all of that, be careful that an affair doesn't happen. You know, you never know when it might happen. <laughs> yeah. An affair yeah. could break could out just, at any time. You know, like any minute. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. catching yeah. a no cold or something. Right. right. Exactly. Right. And I think I'm, I'm even more sort of sensitive to it because one of the reasons being I'm an Enneagram 6, but the other is that in our previous, one of our previous churches, the senior pastor had an affair with the worship leader. And so it's always been this like, dun, 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 be careful, you know, don't get too close. Don't have like, once you get to that chummy, chummy, start laughing, pull back, you know? Yes. Walk away. Yes, yes, yes. Like, oops, did I cross the line? I stepped into danger somehow here and I don't know how, and now Mm -hmm. I have to get out of it immediately. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. What strikes me though is, is that Becky, at least as you talked about it, that you didn't have that same weird emotional dynamic in quote, the secular world or the business world. But it, mm-hmm. it shows up with like full sort of fight or flight response when you're dealing with Christians in a church setting. Right. And I think that I could unpack that a bit for you. So um, I, 
work in a denominational headquarters for a church. And my dad was the legal counsel for that church for a very long time. So I know all the stories of so many things that have happened to pastors and people in ministry. Um, And so I know a lot of people that in my office have personal rules of that they follow the Billy Graham rule Mm -hmm. where they can't be um, in a setting where they're alone with a woman. So uh, for example, a coworker and I were, we had to go on an errand and he's a male and we were asked to drive separately to go down the road 10 minutes because you never know what might happen in the car there's right several, there. There's several red lights on the way to the area. Right, yeah, yeah. right. That's pretty dangerous. <laughs> Opportunities. Uh, so, 80s love song may come on. Yeah. Right? So that's that's part of it. Just that. Yeah. So that's that's where it's gotten triggered for me. Um, and it's just a it's a very weird feeling to feel like um, it, that I'm untrusted in some way, but also I can't trust this person. Then maybe as well. Um, and I'm noticed that I think one of the, one of the hardest things for me actually listening to this podcast is realizing how much this has affected me in our church community. Hmm. Hmm. So I'll give you some examples, um, due to like just ministries I've been involved in, um, earlier on, I was closer with Matt than I was with his wife, Sharon, and I felt um, I don't, I think like probably feelings of guilt about that feelings of like trepidation thinking like Matt and I are chummy now, but I don't know Sharon very well. And how does she feel about this? And mm-hmm. so like very self-conscious about that. Another example would be showing up at the Sternke's house. And, um, there was one time I got there before other people did and Deb wasn't in the house and Ben was there. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> I'm alone in the kitchen with Ben. Is he okay with this? And Mm. it wasn't about me. It wasn't like a, I in no way had a problem with it. My Mm. thought was, how does Ben feel about this? Is Mm. he bothered by the fact that I'm alone with him in his house? Mm. Now the kids may have been somewhere there in the house. I don't know. But I internalized that, that I have to be careful about what's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm struck by uh, the fact that like you're describing these dangerous situations, right? Um, And even though like an affair could break out at any time or, you know, like that kind of a thing. um, I think typically the woman has been told it's your responsibility to make sure it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. I'm responsible for my actions and yours. And the men. Oh, yes. Gosh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if I get too chummy with with one of you, it's not your fault. It's my fault. I should have been more careful. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. If that causes a conflict in, yes. in a marriage or, or yeah. if there's mm-hmm. ever any question about it, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, that Becky should have done something different. Mm-hmm. Deb yes. should have done something different, not Matt or Ben or wh- whoever else the man is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to, um, there's some, Linda K. Klein recently wrote a book uh, on the purity culture in the evangelical church um, and just kind of escaping from it. And that was one of the main, one of the main things she wrote about in that book was that the, the girls are told that the the boys and the men can't control themselves, they're untrustworthy, so it's your responsibility to make sure that they don't sin and that you don't sin. Yeah. What a tragedy that we have we have a faith, and the word faith can be translated as trust. We have a trust in Jesus that is a that 
that doesn't translate to trusting each other. Right. And when there's not trust with each other, we resort to all kinds of crazy, mm-hmm. crazy th- measures to live in relationships of mistrust. Yeah. And I grew up steeped in that purity culture. I was mm. homeschooled. Mm. So that was pervasive yeah. for me growing up. I yeah. mean, I remember going to a, co- a conference yeah. on purity. I remember in youth group guys and girls being separated. And I, I found out later, like they talked to the boys about sex and they talked to the girls about modesty. And at the time that was totally normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't think anything right. of it. Right. Except for the fact a little bit, I was like, well, I kind of wish I could have learned more. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. What did you guys learn? <laughs> right. I know how to dress, but that sounds more interesting. Yeah, right. <laughs> <You> know, <yeah. laughs> well, and it gives this idea too that, um, Men are innately sexual creatures and women aren't. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And so right. I've personally, I was talking about this um, last week with some people that I personally have had friends that, um, female friends that have struggled with pornography. And there's, there's mm. this double shame to it because in general, no one talks about women struggling with pornography. For men, it's kind of this culturally accepted thing. So they might have shame about it, but it's like, well, everyone does it, so it's not that big of a deal. Whereas for women, you have that shame plus the compounded shame of you're not even supposed to feel that have those feelings or struggle with this because you're a woman. Yeah. And I've had known people that have such deep um, shame issues mm. surrounding that. Yep. Yeah. It's just so jacked up. I know. It's exhausting. Lord, save us. Yeah. Okay, so so one of the things then is sort of realizing that you, Deb, you said this, I think, really well. Not that you knew this and us talking about it helped you, but you didn't even know this was happening mm-hmm. until you heard some women talk about it or Ben mention it, and then you're like, holy cow, that's that's a script that runs yeah. a big part of my, my life. Um. So part of part of then the healing of this is being able to just name it and bring it into the light yeah. and own it and begin to pay attention to okay how what what sort of hold or what sort of dominion does this have in my life and how do I begin to develop rhythms or practices that aren't in yeah. bondage mm-hmm. to this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the big things that I'm realizing how much of all of this you know patriarchy and all these things that we've been living into for so long are even even if I'm not aware of them consciously, they're held in my body. So yes. I mm-hmm. will, like we've been talking about how, you know, a lot of the women said that their challenge is learning to speak, learning to bring what they have. And I noticed like, gosh, my posture is never to, you know, if somebody asks a question or if we're in a meeting, my posture is never thinking, oh, I wonder what I'm going to share. I wonder what I think about this even. It's always, hmm, I wonder what everyone else is going to share. I wonder what, you know, Ben is going to say or Matt is going to say. Um, and so that is a huge shift, I think, of just being able to see that and being challenged to respond differently. Like you guys were saying, you need to start listening I'm amazing at listening. <laughs> like I've had years of training yeah. Yeah. in listening. Yeah, right. I'm I'm as good as they get probably. But as far as learning to speak up and offer my thoughts is is the the tricky part for me. And part of it is for me it like I need to think about what I think so I don't know what I think right away. I'm not an extroverted processor, so 
sometimes I just don't know what I think, but even starting to just say that even would, I think be a good first step. Yeah. 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 I totally, I get that. I mean, you guys know me, so you know that I don't have a problem talking. I always have an opinion about something, (laughs) Um, but I also, so I started doing the uh, college of preachers that our church does this summer. So I preached twice and at the second sermon, I was just bumping up into this wall and had this conversation with Matt and realizing that I have known for years that I have um, leadership capabilities and am spiritually more mature and stronger than most men I have known. Hmm. Um, And what I did with that information was, oh, I have to hide parts of myself because if I don't, and I want to get a husband someday, he's going to be mm-hmm. intimidated by that, my strength. Mm-hmm. And so I have to downplay that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I've been doing that for so long. And it's beca- it had become such second nature. I wasn't even aware of it anymore until Matt kind of drew that out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Every time you tell me that, I want to like throw things. I get really <laughs> angry when I hear that. Mm-hmm. Like, how how dare how dare we give you that impression that you can't fully show up and be present as a woman just as a person becky because of how some insecure guys might not be able to handle it or or might not be able to marry you right right, right. Like, as if that's your, the only you value less you bring. desirable so- the more intelligent <laughs> and mature you are yeah mm-hmm. like, it's so it- frustrating to me because i would consider myself a feminist and so when i became aware of it i was like so mad (laughs) at myself even i'm like how have i agreed to this for so long that's important becky because you would um you wouldn't ascribe to that as a life philosophy yeah and if you had a friend tell you that's what they were doing in order to be more attractive to a man you would have slapped them silly. oh i would have that's Mm -hmm. what's so hard about it and then you realize that you were carrying that around in you and you were Mm -hmm. making these unconscious agreements to yes. something like in your body, mm-hmm. agreeing to things that your brain would just completely reject. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And friends, that's so what you're naming is one of the ways. So, part of what we do at Gravity is we help people name these things we carry in our bodies. Like the stuff you guys are naming, mm-hmm. this is what runs our lives. Mm-hmm. The things we believe in our bones, not the things we circle on tests or the answers we give in Sunday school class, but the actual like way we live. And the thing you're, you're naming this, Becky, is we don't actually always have access to that no yeah and i i haven't um and as like as an example so i have um in relationships i've been in in the past would not speak up when my feelings were hurt because um I, i don't i can't even tell you all the reasons actually i know that being able to name these things of how much I've hidden myself has helped me recognize that. But I'm noticing myself now just recently, um, I got hurt by something and I told the person like, I don't want to be mad at you right now, but I'm frustrated about this. And I'd rather just talk about it because then I know we can talk about it and I'll move on as opposed to I'm going to diminish myself and my feelings because I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. Because again, you're responsible for not hurting men. Yes. Yeah. Gosh, what a tyranny. Mm. I'm I'm serious. That is a tyranny. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Oof. 
it's hard. It's this this series has been so so hard because mm-hmm. realizing, like you guys have both said, how much it lives in my own body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without me knowing it. Yeah. Because I'm the kind of person that will call other people out on things that they say. I just did that yesterday to somebody. Mm. Um, and so it's so hard to recognize how this script is so pervasive in our society of patriarchy and toxic masculinity and the way that, you know, we, uh, I was in a conversation yesterday where somebody said that a man was being effeminate. And I was like, that was a slam to both men and women. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. <laughs> you so just, you've just, insulted all of humanity. All of humanity. Yeah, yeah. You just well said done. that because a man was sensitive and showed feelings that he was acting like a woman, but then you're also slamming women because they can be sensitive and have feelings. And you're and you're also saying like, well, men can't do this and women do, and so that's weakness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a... Uh, there's one of the themes here that I'm hearing uh, is interesting that it's one thing to affirm like theologically or philosophically, you know, equality or whatever you want to call it. Like it's one thing to affirm it and believe it in a sense, mm-hmm. but it's another thing to actually walk it out. Yes. It, it totally. becomes very, very, uh, you don't know what you don't know until it hits you in the face, yes. until you realize it. Um, and it, it's, that's why it's important to create environments where you can discover things safely right and you can talk about things and you can be embarrassed like i like you know like a lot of the discovery for me has been embarrassing you know to to realize yeah. you know like deb when you told me like hey do you realize how often you interrupt me in meetings mm-hmm. it was embarrassing i was like no i didn't even know you know like so again affirming something but then like something else lives in my body and i have to be willing to hear that right and not and not you know get defensive about it um yeah. Well, and just like the the email that somebody had sent us this week yeah. uh, about how she works on staff at a church yeah. that affirms women in leadership. Mm-hmm. However, it's been very difficult walking it out. Yeah, They talk yeah. about it in theory, but when it comes to walking it out, it's very difficult. And some of the men are wrestling with it who are on staff. Some of the men are wrestling with it and just walking alongside of them wrestling with it and trying to figure it out brings up pain for her. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's easy for us to say these things. I think that's one of the reasons why I've appreciated this podcast series so much is hearing stories of people who are pressing in, showing up, uh, leaning into the uncomfortableness and mm-hmm. leaning into the growth and leaning into the failure um, and trying to walk this out. Yeah. The, the podcast that got, it just got dropped today, actually. I loved that when they were talking about how um, it's not been easy and how mm-hmm. they've had to have difficult conversations around that. Um, and I think that that's, it takes that, you know? And I think that Matt and Ben, you guys are both aware and really good at this. And I personally haven't experienced you guys doing something that like sent me being like, wait, what just happened? Mm. Um, Just stick around, Becky. I'm sure. And I'm not saying you don't. I (laughs) guess I'm saying that I appreciate that. I know you both are intentional. Um, And I I guess what I want to say is that I know if it happened, I could tell you. Right. I know that you would receive it and that we would have to have a conversation about it. And it wouldn't just be one more thing of, well, you did that and that's just how life is. But I Mm -hmm. could actually be like, hey, I know you wanted to do better at this. So here's how you could maybe do that. Yeah. 
Yeah. But that, that podcast today, one of the things as I'm thinking about that really hit me was when they were talking about, um, this idea of the idea of communion. Yeah. Um, and it was mind boggling to me because I have not been able to distinguish before the difference between attractions. So I'm the kind of person who has more often than not connected more quickly with men than with women. And maybe it's because I have brothers, but even growing up when all of the women were in the kitchen talking on the table, I wanted to be in the living room with the men talking. Or I do this now, like in an office, I work with about 20 people. And we go, when we go out for lunches, the women are on one end of the table, the men are on the other. And I'm always like down with the men because I like the conversation better. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> I have said that so many oh times. Oh my goodness. Be- so and and maybe part of it is, I was thinking about this as I was, this is just a side note, like sometimes maybe the conversations are less superficial because they're about mm-hmm. like interesting things and whereas women will just talk about, and this is not, I'm trying, trying to be. insult women. Right. I just don't always care about yeah. like, I don't know how your dog's doing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unless it's our dog. Should yeah, I not care about your dog, dog anymore? I care about your dog. <laughs> <laughs> but like I want to have the deeper conversations yeah. too, yeah. you know, like I want to, sure. and just the, the interesting conversations. All that to say that I've, was able to name the difference of I'm attracted to you because I feel a sense of connection with you as opposed to I'm attracted to you and I equate that with desire. Mm-hmm. And so I've realized that there have been, this is going to like, I mean, honestly, I think that most men in our church that I've gotten close to, I feel a connection with. And so it's, and I've at different times I've thought, oh no, I need to be careful with that because I feel an attraction towards that person, but it's not a romantic attraction. It's just, I want to connect with you because I feel a sense of communion with you. Yeah. What you're mm-hmm. naming is the sexualization of intimacy. Yes. Yeah. That we yeah. have, that, that we are so scared of desire and we so sexualize desire, right? In our consumeristic, like pornographic culture that we are unable to discern between meaningful, mutual connection and intimacy and like, this this arouses me sexually. Right. Like we just don't have a we yeah. mm-hmm. the palate, the emotional or the spiritual palate for mm-hmm. distinguishing between those two yeah. tastes. It's like two different kinds of food that you know chicken yeah. tastes just like fish. Well, yeah. no, they don't. They taste different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our our spiritual palate has lost the ability to distinguish between. Yes. Them. Yeah. yeah. And so much of that happens unconsciously too. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like for example, there was there was one time where um, it was with the College of Preachers, and one of the men that was in the group had uh, just shared with me how they were struggling with their sermon and they were nervous and feeling really insecure about it. And I noticed thinking back now, I didn't notice it in the moment, but now looking back on it, um, I basically just listened and, you know, said, oh, that's hard. You know, whereas I thought, you know what, if this was a woman in the group, Mm -hmm. I would have been speaking truth into her. I would have been saying, I've got your back. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not alone. We're going to do this together. I Mm -hmm. see what God has gifted you with. Um, But because he was a man. Yeah. I didn't do that. Yeah. Because you know, who, who knows what could happen if and you I'm, do that. Yeah, I'm like you, it does I don't <laughs> realize it in the moment. Yeah. It has been reflecting back on this kind yeah. of stuff that yeah. it's uh because if you did pour into that man, that would be an emotional connection you're building with him. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that could turn into an emotional affair. Yeah. And we all know those are bad. Yeah. So we, you probably just shouldn't talk to him at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there are so many of those moments that I'm realizing and being challenged by. And I remember, I, re- I think I shared this with you, Ben. I remember there was this moment in just my journey in leadership and feeling called to certain things. Um, and uh, there was this moment, I think, of, of seeing what was possible as a woman in leadership and not just, well, I'm going to support my husband and his ministry mm. uh, and be content with that. There was this moment of like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, that means that I need to come up to the table and step up and, um, you know, because it's, it's easier to just well, I'm just going to serve my husband and I'm going to serve these guys in ministry and all of that. But if I'm actually called to something and commissioned and authorized, oh my. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I, when I was asked to preach this summer, so I, a friend told me a few years ago, she was like, you know, you don't get a complaint about women in leadership unless when you were asked to lead, you say yes. Mm. And I was like, yeah, that's a great point. Is, this a, is this a girl or a boy? It's a, it's a girl. I'm sorry, a woman or it's a, a man? It is a woman. Okay. Uh, could, d- does she have more margin for more friends? I need friends like that <laughs> in my yeah. life. Yeah, she's amazing. She's a pastor, actually. Is she? She's in seminary mm, right, right now. Yep. I need to meet her. Yes. That's awesome. Um, so I said, yeah, I was like, that's a really great point. And mm. never had to bump up against that until this summer when Matt asked me if I would do the College of Preachers where we, we train up people to preach. And he sent me an email and I just ignored it. I was like, well, because <laughs> it's easier, right? I read the email, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I don't want to engage with this. So I just won't reply and it'll be okay. Yeah. And then he approached me at church and he was like, hey, I think you have a gift for this. Mm-hmm. Would you consider it? It's way more hard to say no in person. And I had that running through my head of... Can I just I, walk away? Yes. Like, you're like, I'll yeah, just, yeah, like slowly back away. I didn't hear him. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Sorry. I'm just imagining yeah. the scenarios. They just strike yes. me as funny. Yeah. But I, anyway. Becky, I, Becky, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Come back, Becky. What's going on right now? I don't hear you. <sighs> I, knew I, couldn't, I knew I couldn't say no. Um, one, because I believe that that's true, that you don't get to complain about it unless you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. I also knew I couldn't say no because I knew that I, I knew I had giftings. I knew that you had recognized something in me that I knew was true mm-hmm. and I had never had a chance to practice. Um, and one of the things that actually helped me say yes to it, and somebody on the podcast talked about this, and I don't remember which episode it was, but they were talking about seeing women preach gave him imagination for yes. it. Yeah. And Matt. just real quick, real quick. I'm sorry. Uh, Mandy Smith talked about that, and Sid Holsclaw talked about that. Mm-hmm. Tara Beth Leach. Tara talked Beth about, Leach talked she about. She saw that. Mandy Smith. That's right. It's, it all got kind of meta because we had them. It did uh, get meta. Yeah. Sorry, I just want to. I just wanted to name because that's a really important. Yeah. yeah, that's something we've learned. Yeah, who are all yeah. three yeah. people that I've. It's been tremendously helpful seeing them preach, hearing about how they put a sermon together. Yeah. All of that. Sorry. It's been tremendous. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say, and Matt, I don't mean anything offensive by this, but you are the one that gave me an imagination to preach. Yes. Because you preach with emotion. And the first time I ever saw you preach, you cried. And mm. you'd preached in a way that 
It was the first time I think I had seen somebody preach where I thought, oh, I could do that. Hmm. I think that before that, when I had seen men preaching, I always knew whatever energy they were bringing to the table, I didn't have to bring. And the energy that you brought was beautiful Hmm. and sensitive. Hmm. And it had this aspect to it that I thought that is feels more familiar to me and I it was the first time I thought I could do that and be my full self and not try to be like somebody else yeah Yeah. and I'm not near as good as you (laughs) however yeah that's amazing Becky I mean um I'm honored that's 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 a that's incredible And, and as you say that I'm actually I'm actually realizing um how much you know how much shame as a guy who has all the feels, mm-hmm. like how much shame I carry around about that. Mm. Right? Mm. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, we have the, you mentioned toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And it's a phrase we haven't used much in this uh, podcast series, but it's something that, what we mean by that is sort of the hegemony or the tyranny of uh, a type A dominant kind of ma- like full of machismo yeah, like, dis- dominating, disconnected from your feelings, like yeah. sort of like like what it means to be a man is to be powerful, in charge, uh, have as few emotions as possible, so you can mm-hmm. stay rational and clear headed. Mm. If if people want to understand this better, there's a really great documentary. It's actually on Netflix, and it's called The Mask You Live In, and it's all about toxic oh. masculinity. And it's a great starting point to learn more. I just the watched it this past week weekend. Live in. We will put I that. see. I see what they did there. Yes, the mask you live in. Mm-hmm. Sounds so like it, they talk to um, adult <laughs> men. They talk to boys. They talk to yeah. all all kinds of men about yeah. what this is like mm-hmm. and yeah. um, how they feel like they have to be mm-hmm. and all the all the things they have to hide and, and yes. mask away. Yeah, yeah. I, I was uh, I was listening to um, somebody comment on you know not to get too far afield here, but the Kavanaugh hearings. Uh, that are that have been happening, and I, I was hearing somebody, a woman, comment about um, comments about it, and she said that she said what I feel when I listen to her story and when I hear what's happening Doc, here. You mean Doctor Ford? Doctor Ford's story, right? Um, what what I feel is I feel anger, but the only like emotional sort of bodily emotional thing that I have access to is tears, because I've been taught mm. it's not okay for me to be angry, right? But I can cry. Mm. And I was just thinking how that is so interesting because what you saw from Kavanaugh was the opposite. It's not okay for him to be vulnerable, but anger is acceptable. And it's almost like we're raised with those two yeah. those two dichotomies. Oh scripts. man. And I watched both of I watched both of their things. Yeah. And I was like, can I vote for her? Because she's the one that's <laughs> calm and collected. And he's yelling at people while he's being interviewed. So I'm not trying to make a political statement about this. I'm just saying that if we're going to have a Supreme Court justice, Mm -hmm. maybe he should be able to keep it together while he's in that seat. Yeah, at the very least, it it did reveal that the only segment of the population for whom anger is okay is white men. Like, white men can be angry, and it's interpreted charitably. And we just saw this in tennis. Uh, right. two or three weeks ago. Right, right. With, yeah. with Serena Williams. Yes. Yeah. But if you're a person of color or if you're a woman, you mm-hmm. can you do not have the permission mm-hmm. to be angry. It, it usually will not be interpreted charitably. Yes. Right. Yep. And that's, so when, when we talk about patriarchy, 
we're not saying that like you wake up and you think, okay, how do I contribute to and support male dominance in society? But like what we, what we just named right there together as a group is one of the artifacts of patriarchy that we don't even question and we trade on it without mm. thinking about it. It's not yeah. like we're making conscious decisions. Right. It's yeah. just a given that we have, yeah. right? So I'm not trying to interpret a white man angry charitably. I just do it naturally. But the, And the thing that I think is so important to continually name is how much it hurts men as much as women yes. because men are allowed to express anger and so I think that's why they express it so much because it's 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 acceptable. So the other emotions they feel aren't as acceptable. And so I think anger masks so many other yes. things yeah. that it's it's not like we're trying to create a society where like, well, let's reverse it and have women on top. Like patriarchy and toxic masculinity is terrible for men and women and it's destroying both. Yeah. And honestly, when you mentioned uh, my sort of emotive, kind of effective preaching, I was reminded that, like, I I realized that there's shame about my emotions, but also shame about, like, sort of my relationship with women. I've kind of mentioned this to you, Ben, and I haven't talked about it on the podcast, Mm -hmm. but I I remember in high school, um, my first serious girlfriend, and I dated her for a long time, but for most of our relationship... uh, I would ask her if I could kiss her every time, um, which maybe in 2018 would be seen as like super sensitive and chivalrous and like, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't. I, like, but in 1992, I felt like the biggest loser because a type A male doesn't ask for a kiss. He takes it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like he just assumes, why wouldn't you want to kiss me? Yeah. Right. I was watching Blade Runner because yeah. the new one came out, yeah. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So I rewatched the old one with Harrison Ford, and there's a scene in that movie. It's super uncomfortable. Where uh, I forget her name, which is going to make for a great podcast. But the uh, the uh, uh, his love interest, Harrison Ford's love interest in Blade Runner, he's he he's like attracted to her, and she's this um, she's not, and she starts to leave his apartment, and he runs ahead of her and closes the door. And just starts kissing her. And it's basically sexual assault yep. that she kind of cooperates with at some point. Right? And I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, this is awful. But, you know, 1980, what, three? One? Whenever it came Something out? Something like that. Uh, 1983 or 81, like, the, n- nobody in the audience is like, oh, gosh. I did like I did like this character until he sexually assaulted this woman. No, everybody's like, that's what a man does. A man yeah. chases the woman down and does it. Like, he... A man drags a woman into intercourse even if she is unsure. That's a mm. real man. And I feel like, so anyway, in high school, I hadn't seen Blade Runner, but like I had the epitome of masculinity was Harrison Ford, right? And it wasn't in me. And so I felt so un unmasculine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. right? And I didn't yeah. even realize that until we started this series that like I've carried around not being the type A male, I've carried around sort of this like shame about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though I never, I don't want to be that, but yeah. still the repercussions of that were not honorable for me. Yeah. Or they weren't, they weren't badges yeah. of honor for me. And it still lives in your body is what yeah. you're saying. Totally. And, I, and this I, is where patriarchy is bad for me too. Right. But, and yeah. I think that I understand and feel what you're saying because I have that problem with being a, strong not very docile submissive female (laughs) and I've always felt like 
I don't know if I would have named it shame, but it probably does live there hmm. in that the what's especially in the church, what's portrayed as how you should be. I'm like, well, I just will never live up to that standard. And I'm sorry. Like, yeah. and I've, ex- I had accepted that just be like, not, and not like, Oh, I was created this way. Hmm. And I think that, um, when, when, when I get to talking about people for arguments for women in leadership, honestly, like my best one is that I've accepted like to a degree, I'm like, this is just who I am. And I'm like, I, the only options are that it's okay for women to be strong and lead or God made a mistake when he made me. Those are my two <laughs> options. So do you want to tell me yeah. which one it is? Yeah. I don't, but I do know some men who might. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. I'm like, either something is wrong with me or this is okay. Yeah. Those yeah. are like, I yeah. don't, there's no other path to live in for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. One of the things I've been noticing is that, so we've said, you know, Sid Holsclaw, Mandy Smith, Tara Beth Leach, like how helpful their, um, seeing them preach, seeing them lead has been for a lot of other women. I know it has been for me. One of the things I've been realizing though, is that a lot of those women are strong. They're Enneagram eights Mm. or Enneagram threes. And I'm not particularly like that. That's not my, my personality, my makeup. And so while on one hand, it's incredibly helpful for me to see them leading and seeing them preach on the other hand, there's still this disconnect mm-hmm. um, because I'm not a challenger. You know, I'm not going to go out there and conquer the world like in Enneagram 3. You know, and so there's still this sort of longing, I think, for me of, of wanting to see a picture of what it looks like, something that I can truly relate to. Um, and it's all just in the, the journey of figuring out what it looks like for me to lead, what it looks like for me to preach and all of that. So it's something I've been noticing. So I, I mean like two out of the three women we had on were Enneagram eights, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just thinking in my head, I'm playing through like other women I know who like lead and preach Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking of eights and I'm thinking of threes or of sevens. I'm thinking of, of obviously very strong yeah. Extroverted women, women. extroverted, comfortable, confident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so maybe we could say that, um, I mean, I know men, too, that are introverts, quiet, uh, maybe don't have, like, they don't roll out of bed with self-esteem, like, six feet off their skin. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, and they don't presume to lead either. Uh, You know, I I was talking to somebody this week who took a church planner assessment and it came back, like, you you can, uh, you can run the... uh, you know, you can run the projector during worship. That's like <laughs> you're gifted to be like in the guy, the guy in the back pressing a button. And he felt really discouraged, right? But there is, I, I, I think that you know, if we take, if we take the 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 priesthood of all believers seriously, you know, and we're called gravity leadership because we we do believe that everyone's called to lead someone, right? When nobody nobody gets yes. to just sit around and so I think there, I think we do need a new imagination for what. Like non-coercive, non-heavy-handed, non-sort of like American ideal leadership lives like. Yeah. I, I hear you saying that, Deb. Mm-hmm. Like from mm-hmm. from other women, mm-hmm. and there's the extra layer that maybe men don't have, or maybe maybe patriarchy does the uh, the you know slideshow guy too. But like with patriarchy, like 
it's easy for you to go, oh, okay, you just want me to be quiet and listen? Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do anyway, so I'll just be quiet and listen. You know, like you're realizing, no, I need to yeah. I need to speak. We just see models of like, if I'm if I'm going to speak as Deb, mm-hmm. right? If I'm going to speak as Matt, how right. do I how do I do that faithfully? Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> Me well, neither. Well, <laughs> I feel like we just talked about one thing, um, and I know that we're running short on time. So can I wonder, Deb and Becky, if you can give us ways forward. You know, maybe this is a charge or an exhortation to our listeners, to Ben and I. Like, how do we continue to champion and foster um, our sisters from other misters uh, in the faith? How do we champion and foster, like, cultures and environments where they can not become Becky if they want to lead, Deb? Right? Not not telling Deb, you got to come like Becky and lead. And Becky not telling you, you got to become like, you know, somebody you're not. But how do we create environments where women and men can lead alongside each other? What? Any thoughts about that? Yeesh. <laughs> I, I really appreciated a lot of what Jeff Holsclaw said. A lot of his suggestions were just creating opportunities, which yeah. I think that as our churches are doing things and making spaces for women to step in to leadership, to, um, to have those opportunities to do things like preaching school, um, and other things, not just children's ministry, not just women's ministry. Um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful at these conversations that we're having. Um, I mean, I think about my own journey and where it began, was I mean I feel tremendously fortunate that the church that I started off in after I became a Christian, um, the pastor's wife actually came across Sarah Sumner's book Men and Women in the Church, um, and shared it with me. She actually gave me a free copy and said something like, "I think what I've always thought may be incorrect. I I think there may be something more for us as women." And because that's kind of the culture that she had been raised in. And um, then I started to see her preaching on Sunday mornings. And I mean, I wasn't sure what I thought about all of it, but all of a sudden, you know, she's up there preaching, giving me a picture of what it looks like. And just seeing how now that has affected my life and how, you guys have called me into preaching school and I'm stepping into to preaching and now Becky's stepping into preaching and just how much it's having this ripple effect. Yeah. I'm hopeful that my daughters can see all of this mm. and have a different picture of what the church could become. Yeah. You know, so just making those spaces, I think, and having those conversations, leaning into the uncomfortable I think is going to have a a tremendous ripple effect Mm. in the church. So So I'm hopeful. Yeah. Deb, I've watched your daughters watch you preach. Mm. Yeah. They barely blink. Hmm. Yeah. So the the difference, I'm hearing that, like, I feel like the, the important difference you're talking about is one way of getting people together for preaching school would be, hey, whoever wants to be in preaching school, sign up here. Yeah. Right? 
and you're going to get the people who typically are used to being called into things and think. Well, yeah, I, got, I could probably. I've do that. got something to say. Yeah, I got that mm-hmm. generic email multiple times and ignored it. <laughs> yes, so. exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's the difference between a, a call and see who see who comes and some specific invitations some specific vision face to face not very email because you can ignore that right you can still ignore emails but yeah face to face invitations to say I see something here I really think you'd be good at this I want to invest in you Mm -hmm. and and, and it takes and that's kind of what Jeff was saying right it takes it doesn't take the same kinds of things oftentimes Mm -hmm. that it takes with men because they've been receiving these messages for so long Mm -hmm. that yeah you probably got something to offer yeah and understand Mm -hmm. it's going to be harder for the women too because Exactly. They don't have experience. They don't have the imagination for it. Like, I know that. So, in our college of preachers, it seemed like so many people had a really hard time putting sermons together, and um, I I did, but putting a sermon together was not as hard as just doing it. Mm-hmm. And I never talked heard the guys talk about that really. Like they didn't talk about how oh it's hard for me to you know like stand in front of the congregation for twenty four minutes and say something yes Mm -hmm. and it's like stepping into this space Mm. I don't I'm not saying they didn't I don't have a memory of any of them mentioning how hard it was to step into that space yeah whereas for me I'm like it's so exhausting for me to just step into the space it's hard for I had to confront a lot of that kind of stuff before I could even write my sermon yeah that resonated so much uh, for me when Jeff said that women are going to need a lot more affirmations, a lot more um, just encouragements, and you can do this. Keep on with it. I mean, I remember the first time I preached, I told you guys, like, one of my biggest fears is that there's going to be a big old white man come up to me and after I'm done preaching and be like, here's first, you know, here's all the scriptures that say that you're not supposed to be preaching. And I can't remember which one of you said it, but it was like, well, if that does happen, we've got your back. Yeah. We're here with you. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, it's it's those kind of moments and those kind of, I think, for, for men leading, recognizing um, all of those internal struggles that, that we as women have, those unconscious things that come up for us that we're maybe not even mindful of. Yeah, they just um, in our bodies un- unaware. Yeah, I don't think I could receive, you know, too much affirmation mm-hmm. at this point. Because it's easy for me to disqualify myself. Yeah. Very easy. Yes. The the thing I wanted to say before we wrapped up, my, I guess my last comment, is that um, for the men listening, when you have those females in your life that you feel that um, attraction to and a connection with to push into that um, and realize that they might have a tendency to want to withdraw – um, and don't let them do that, not in a pushy way, but in a just keep pushing in and showing up because I'm, if Deb and I both feel that way, I'm assuming that most other women feel that way as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that I've noticed in our table community. I just got a text from a guy from the church today asking how my week was going, asking about something else in my life. Um, and somebody I never initiate text conversations with because he's a guy. Um, and he's done it with me two or three times, you know? Um, and I value that so much where I'm like, okay, you see me and you care about me. Um, and you're not afraid of a friendship with me. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to train myself to not be afraid of a friendship with you. And it's not because of you at all. 
it's because of this toxic script in our society. Yeah. Where the fear, the fear of misplaced intimacy yes. exceeds the vision of the goodness of communion. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. One other thing I hear you both alluding to, you it, this is, is interesting or surprising, or maybe telling is, is the right word for me, is that you both have brought up your experience in the College of Preachers. Uh, unprovoked, we weren't talking about that. Mm-hmm. But what I'm noticing, what I'm inferring from that, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, is it's one thing to just be abstractly in favor of women leading alongside men in ministry. Hey, this is our idea, this is our value, we've got a position paper on our website, or we talk about it from the platform. It's another thing to have a discrete arena where men and women have a mission together where they are functioning as equals. Yeah. And they can and they and it's a regular thing and they're learning together on a level kind of a I mean you said in some ways it's not a level playing field because some of the guys didn't have the same realizations you did. But there's this mutuality happening in real time on mission together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to me that seems really important. Like mm-hmm. we've got to embody this practice, this value in order for it to be actualized. Otherwise, it's just an abstract yeah. sort of yeah. thing, cause. It becomes a disembodied cause that doesn't have any rootedness or concreteness in the actual body. Yeah. Yep. So I, I mean, I, I, we didn't, we're not taking credit for that. I think it's happening to us and we're like, oh, we're noticing this was important. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing how important the College of Preachers is for this, what we're talking about, because of what you're saying. Yeah. Right. I and just it, want you to know that. It ties into the whole male-female friendship thing too because for the most part, the guys I'm the closest with are the guys that I went through the College of Preachers with mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we had phone calls every week. Yeah. Video and, calls. And you video saw video yeah. calls. Deb and I were the only women in it yep. um, and it was a bunch of men and so that also, it touches on calling women forward. Mm-hmm. And it also touches on these men continue to show up in my life yeah, and reach out to me. Yeah. They're crucial. Because yes. it's one thing for me to hear from Ben, mm-hmm. you know, you can do this. I believe mm-hmm. in you. And even one thing for Matt, but to hear Spencer and Andy and yes. all these other men, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, it's been a tremendous gift yes. and a tremendous empowerment to me. Mm-hmm. I could not have done what what i did without them yeah amen well then this may awesome. be the, maybe the last podcast you and i co-host i think it goes better when uh Becky yeah. and deb lead this you guys uh come come back and then we'll just i don't know i got i got other things i can maybe do. they'll it's have fine. us on sometime maybe they'll have us on i'll submit we'll my cv <laughs> maybe you guys uh, have had your time all right <laughs> back off uh, Becky's gonna turn my mic off. Well, thank you both. <laughs> thank you both for being here. I know, um, I know, we have learned a lot from you just on this call and outside this call. Obviously, you're both friends, and I value you very much as friends. So thanks. Yep. For being here. Thanks for helping us tie a ribbon on this, mm-hmm. friends. Uh, we want to hear your stories too. So feel free to drop us a line. Uh, we're deeply encouraged. I mean, I think we've gotten more feedback. I'd say on social media and emails about this series and anything else we've done. Yeah. And uh, it's been deeply encouraging and um, helpful for Ben and I both. So continue to reach out and talk. And until next time, peace. Bye, guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. 
If you found it helpful, please let us know by leaving a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com to ask a question, suggest a topic for future episodes. And join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful throughout the week. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.